game. Blouses. Gallon Chuck. Disaster. Afrogetti. Disaster. Well, I mean, I'm no doctor. We now join America's most popular show already in progress. Everybody loves Mitch and Sean. You guys are the greatest duo. Fantastic. That team sure did suck last night. They just played sucked. I've seen teams suck before, but they were the suckiest bunch of sucks that ever sucked. You good, Mitchie? Ready to go. All right, we're back. Episode two of the Post Game Pints podcast. Sean Campbell, Mitch Gallo. We're going to jump right into it with our rapid fire. And Mitch, I got to know, why hasn't the NHL started yet? We, it hasn't started. Why, why don't we know anything? I'm waiting. Well, Sean, I think you need to uh, calm down when it comes to when is it going to start. The target is January 1st. And if you, go by the, if you go by the NBA's timeline, they announced only this week their return for December 22nd. So if the NHL is to start a week, a week and a half after the NBA, that still gives us a week, a week and a half before the NHL has to make any progress uh, with the Board of Governors and the uh, NHLPA. So I, I still think we got some time here to play with, uh, with January 1st. And look, I'm going to take them at their word. They say January 1st. I'm going to believe that it's January 1st until they tell me otherwise, because we know, we know that in the past when they had the return to play uh, back when they wanted to get the playoffs done in the summer, they were so reluctant to put a date out there until they actually had a date that they knew was a possibility. January 1st, the fact that they announced that means to me, they're comfortable playing in front of no fans. And at this point we have to just figure out if they're going to be playing in home arenas or a hybrid hub system and the way they want to do it. But I'm confident in January 1st at this time. I know yourself, you're a little bit more pessimistic than me. Maybe just in life, you're more pessimistic than me. I'm the ultimate optimist. No, no, this is what they said. They said our goal is January 1st. Their goal is January 1st. Well, you should have started two weeks ago if your goal was January 1st. It's really hard to get this ready. There's just so many balls moving. The NBA has to deal with the States and one Canadian team. They have a Canadian team. They have to realign everything in the National Hockey League. They're just too there's so little time until January 1st for me. They're not playing 82 games. They're not playing January 1st. We're going to get this board of governance meetings. There's owners in the NHL. They can't afford to have no fans. You say that they're comfortable with no fans. They are not comfortable with no fans. They are just going to delay, delay, delay. They're going to work the world juniors and say, Oh, hockey's taking over and people are paying attention. Maybe we'll do it after the work. No, no, no. I, I don't see this happening. I'm looking at February 1st and I'm petrified if it's going to be, uh, March 1st. Petrified. I'm, stop I'm, stop being so negative and pessimistic. Hey, I'll be positive about the NBA. Don't you love that the NBA has everything in order? Yeah, but they only got everything in order a few days ago. Yeah, but they have everything in order. They got their draft. They got their free agency. They got their start date. They know how many games. Uh, they, hockey already they, did they, the they draft. Also have and hockey already did free agency. Yeah, but now we're bored. <laughs> yeah, you're, maybe okay. you're bored. But that's no reason to uh, rush into an announcement. 
If, if, they, if they don't believe January 1st is an option, why would they even put it out there in the first place? All they're doing is setting expectations and they're going to let people down if they don't come through with that date. I really yeah. believe if they, if they didn't think it was a possibility, they wouldn't have thrown it out there. And seriously, Sean, what difference is one month going to make? What is the real difference as far as all the hurdles games, they're facing games. from Gen 1 to Feb 1? There is none. It, it'll be, the difference will be 20 games. It'll be 15 games. It'll be less of a season. They're, the further they push back, the less games are going to be in a regular season, and the less games is exactly what the owners want. The more games, that means they have to pay the players more. So well, they the want players to already them. believe the players already believe they're getting seventy two percent of their salary if it's one game or if it's seventy games. So the yeah. owners aren't we'll, going we'll, we'll to get their bank for their We'll get to that problem. We'll get to that problem another day. We'll get to well, that. That's problem. a big pro That's a big problem if they can't get to an agreement on that. Oh no, and I don't think they will right away because the players say this is what's going to happen. The owners are like, well, we don't have any money. I, or, they don't. All right. They, so. So let's move on. Topic number two. Tell me, how stoked are you for the NBA to kick things off or tip things off, I should say, on December 22nd? Uh, let's, I, I, I'm hoping, you know, that they're going to have the 22nd for a lot of those top teams. And then on Christmas Day, it's going to be game two for them. You know, it's that rivalry matchup. I, I'm hoping my Portland Trail Blazers play on Christmas Day. Uh, I am 100% in on this team. I am diving into training camp, the free agency, uh, the draft. I will probably be the biggest NBA fan that I've ever been in my life. I love what they did in the bubble. I love that they're going to be taking over. There's going to be no hockey to distract me. I'm all in on this NBA season. They're ready to go. They have a plan. Good job, Adam Silver. Yeah, good. Yeah, you got to, you got to give credit to them. They've done it well for sure. And, you know, much hey, like hockey. Hey, before you jump in, Mitch, do you, I, I, do you have an NBA team? Is it the Raptors? Is that your team? I've seen uh, you watch. Raptors before. Is it the Raptors? Yeah, come not on. really. Not really. I, come on. I've seen you I've seen you watch them before. I've seen the fist pumps. I have teams I like. Tell I have me. three I have three teams that I like. Oh, three teams. Okay. The yeah. Lakers, the Raptors, and some weird team. Go. No weird team, the Bulls. Okay. It's pretty predictable. You're predictable because I got the two out of three. Yeah. Well, it's uh but no, I don't have I don't have a team. But I had a lot of fun when the Raptors made that run to the NBA Finals, winning the NBA championship. My, my, my issue with the Raptors is sometimes I feel like uh, the media and the hype train is a little too – it makes me not feel comfortable. I, I don't like when everybody becomes a cheerleader. So it kind of turned me off a little bit. But, yeah, you, you were at my apartment watching the Raptors in the NBA Finals yeah. and – you know, when they made a big shot, I jumped out of my seat. I was into it. I'm not going to lie. I did but, love these. I was like, really? Really? You should You should have seen me during the game. You were with me when uh, when Kevin Durant went down, uh, how I was freaking out at that moment. Now, that would have been something to have a camera yeah. on. Uh, the, Kawhi but, uh, the Kawhi shot, too. You know, the, the Kawhi shot, too. Actually, I, I didn't see that live. You didn't see that one live? Oh. I saw it recorded. If, if yeah. memory serves me well, it was on Mother's Day. Okay. So I was out to dinner when we were allowed uh, to go out for look dinner. Look at you. Look yeah. at you. I was probably watching that live. Sorry, Mom. <laughs> but, Sean, uh, December 25th, that's the NBA's day. That's the yeah. day of the calendar they have to themselves. And, yeah. obviously, obviously they, that was a big target for them, much like I think Jan 1 is hockey's day. And usually hockey is front and center, NBA front and center December 25th, and I know I'll be on my couch watching. 
All right, uh, last on the rapid fire uh, before we get into classic sports arguments. It's going to be a doozy one today. I, I'm looking forward to it here on the uh, post-game pints podcast, Campbell and Gallo. But how do you think the NFL is dealing with the coronavirus? You know, I think uh, people don't understand exactly how the NFL is dealing with the coronavirus. Because it, maybe it's just me, Sean, but it yeah. seems like every time an NFL player gets put on the COVID list, the masses out there believe that that person is on the COVID list because they actually got COVID. No, <laughs> it's close the, proximity. There's one guy that got a positive test. It doesn't mean that he has it. It's just the test was positive. It might have been a, uh, a false positive. And then you have the close proximity where everybody that drove in a car or was in a meeting or, or some had sat at the same table, they have to sit out five days and have three negative tests. There's there, there's very but, but, specific. But Sean, don't, don't you think it feels like people don't get that? It's like, yeah. oh, Ben Roethlisberger tested positive for COVID. Matt Stafford tested positive for COVID. Ayuk on the, on, on the 49ers tested positive for the coronavirus. It's like, no, hold on a second. No, no, they're, they're All on these the, guys are healthy. List. Yeah. They just made their way onto the list. And the fact that so many people made their way onto the list, but in fact were able to play or came off the list very quickly just shows me that they're taking a lot of precautions here. Think about the sheer amount of people involved in a football team. How many people are at those facilities? How many people are in close proximity? The sheer number of people involved in putting together a football game. Think about that for a second and how few cancellations and disruptions we've really had. Yes, there's been a few, but think back to Major League Baseball. They also went through their ups and downs over the season. They're playing it day-to-day, and they're trying to be – as preventative as possible. Has it been perfect? Absolutely not. But here we are. I believe we're week 10 now, week 10 of the NFL season, and it doesn't even look like at this point, and things could change, but it doesn't even look like the Super Bowl is going to be pushed or, or moved yeah. back by more than a week. Yeah, they give themselves you know, a couple weeks grace period here. I think the NFL's done a fine job considering uh, they have to kind of make it up as they go here on the fly. Uh, they got their protocols in, in place, and I, and I think that I'm happy. I know there's a lot of negative people out there, but I'm happy that I'm able to watch football every Sunday, Monday, Thursday, and because of COVID, sometimes Tuesday. All right. So I, I, I agree. I think they're doing a decent job, and I like the contact tracing that they do. There's, there's just one thing that boggles my mind when it comes to the NFL. Why do they let the both teams shake hands after the game? I understand that they just played. I understand that they just played and it was a football game. But every Monday, and I just go back to the Packers game and A.J. Dillon, who played in the game, he played on Sunday against the Vikings, and then the Monday he tested positive. That means he was positive during the game, and then it just, it just eliminates any extra, and they're hugging each other. And, you know, you can battle a guy and tackle a guy. I get it. It's part of the game. They, they sign the waivers. They're in. But it's just adding another element that you don't need to. I don't get that the team shake hands after the game and they go like it's a regular game and, and the players go with no masks and they're just like, Hey, what's up, buddy? I'm like, mm, that's probably a bad idea. It's just because there are likely players that are positive. You may not get it in the game. You may not get it after the game. It just eliminates that one possibility. It's the only thing that I don't understand that the NFL does. Still, yeah, you know, I, I don't have much of an argument for you because if they're to um, take the handshakes out of the game or the post game congratulations that the two teams give each other if they're to take it out it would have no impact on my viewing or my life so go ahead and take it out i, I would say they're, I, they're I don't already know doing this whole people... 
Yeah, there are. Yeah, I, I'll say I don't know how many people I, have tested positive yeah. because of that, but eliminating it would make no difference to the game or the sport or television or anybody's lives. So yeah, go ahead and do so. All right. Uh, before we get into classic sports arguments, uh, Mitch, if you haven't noticed, uh, both you and I here on the Post Game Pints podcast are drinking a very specific beer, the Labrosse Nor'easter. Uh, I mean, one, I'm in love like that. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And uh, I want to uh, give a shout out to uh, LeBros, title sponsor of the Post Game Pints podcast. And uh, check them out, LeBros.com. It's in Point Claire, LeBros and Tecumseh. I mean, I went, I went to high school like two seconds around the corner. It's out in the West Island. Uh, they have a tap room. It's open to pick up beer. You can walk in, you know, all safety measures, get the beer that you want. Cans are readily available. Uh, go check out their menu at LeBros.com for whatever flavor you want whatever kind of beer that is up your alley they have it i, I took a tour it was absolutely phenomenal and uh I, i'm telling you i'm uh, i'm kind of partial to this nor'easter i like the ipa and this is going down quite well in episode two of the post game pints podcast look i'm really happy post game pints podcast or our image has two people cheersing a beer i'm happy it only took us uh, one episode to find somebody to uh, hook us up and be the title sponsor. Uh, you're drinking the, uh, wait, what'd you say? You had the uh, Wicked I, I, Northeaster? Yeah, I got the right, Northeaster. So I haven't opened that one yet, but I have the Blanche de, de West. Oh, yeah. It's, uh, no, no. it's a nice blonde beer, Sean. A little bit hoppy, not totally hoppy, and uh, it's hitting the spot right now. Uh, this one's empty, by the way. This one is empty, but it's in the glass. Yeah, I, I put it up here. Just uh, It might uh, be a nice little spot for me. So uh, check them out, labrosse.com. All right, classic sports arguments. All right, Mitch, what do you got for me? What do you got for me? Right, John, our classic sports argument is who is the best winger in the NHL? This in dedication to NHL Network putting out their top 20 wingers in the league. I get to go first? Sure. Good, because I think I have the answer. If I got to go second, I feel like you would have taken the answer. So I'm going to go first. It's Artemi Panarin. Artemi Panarin is the best elite winger in the National Hockey League. One, I love it. Russian winger, left-handed, plays right side, like left wing, right hand, sorry, left wing, plays right, he's, he's right-handed, he plays the left side. I love that. I love the off wing. No one does it anymore. Just the Russians do it. It is beautiful. You want goals? You get it with Panarin. You want to be a playmaker? You get it with Panarin. He is over a point per game player in the National Hockey League ever since he showed up. I know undrafted. He showed up out of nowhere with Chicago, and then he got a huge deal with the New York Rangers. He made Mika Zibanejad a 40-goal scorer, and he drives the line. How many wingers drive their line, are the go-to guy on the line. It's Panarin. There's so many center icemen. They create. They do everything. You get the creativity from Panarin. You get the goal scoring from Panarin. He was worth every single penny that the Rangers spent on him. Panarin, by far, to me, easiest answer to this question, the best winger in the National Hockey League. Oh, how does he do in the playoffs? Point per game player. That's exactly what he does. And he did that in Columbus with nobody. That's how he produces production. 
He is entertaining. You want, you need a goal, you get it. You need someone to set something up, you get it. Panarin, best winger in the game. I don't think there, I, I don't even think there's an argument for anybody else. Uh, I think there's uh, definitely an argument. And, uh, you know, I love Panarin. Watching him play is a treat. He's a terrific player. The problem is you chose the wrong Russian who shoots and plays the off wing. The best winger in hockey, Sean, is, is Alex Ovechkin. He's not just the best winger in hockey. Alex Ovechkin is the best winger of all time. And you might say you're just looking at bulk of the career. No, no, I'm not. I'm looking at right now. Alex Ovechkin is coming off a season where he won the Rocket Trophy again. He scored 48 goals last year. That won the Rocket Richard Trophy. He's done it nine times. He's going to break Wayne Gretzky's record for goals in his career. He's won a Stanley Cup. He's won an Art Ross. He's won three MVPs. Like this guy, he's going to have multiple trophy cases, not just multiple trophies by the time his career is over. He is the greatest Russian of all time. He is the greatest winger of all time. And it's a privilege that we get to watch him play nightly in the NHL right now uh, during our era because we're going to look back on this guy's career 20, 30, 40 years from now. We're going to marvel at what he was able to do and accomplish during a time where it wasn't easy to score goals. All right. Okay. So let me just, what is the question? Who's the best winger right now? Or who's the best winger of all time? What's the Who's question? the best winger right now? Uh, it's Panera. Look, Ovechkin is the best goal scorer right now ever. What a best winger. I can have him in that conversation. Absolutely. You know what I think of Alex Ovechkin. I felt if you and I had this conversation three years ago, four years ago, five years ago, I would take Patrick Kane. You would take Alex Ovechkin. We would battle it out. As an overall player, there are things that are missing in Alex Ovechkin's game. Alex Ovechkin doesn't drive his line. He's a power play guy that scores goals, and he needs his Kuznetsov. He needs his backstrom. He needs his TJ Oshie. He needs his Tom Wilson to help him become the player that he is today. In the past, he didn't. Today, in the NHL, right now, Artemi Panarin doesn't need a Tom Wilson. He doesn't need a Kuznetsov. Sure, he's got guys to help him in New York, but he drives the line. Alex Ovechkin doesn't facilitate offense like Panarin does. Alex Ovechkin scores goals better than Panarin. Sure, but Panarin, 30 goals like that, no problem. Panarin, oh, you want 40 goals for Zabinajet? No problem. I could do that. Today, right now, it's Panarin. Everything you're saying about Ovechkin, it's cool. Yeah, all the time, I'm with you. Not now. Not now. I'm, uh, I'm not going to go and, and knock the other guy because I don't think that's appropriate since Panarin is a great player and I, and I really enjoy watching him play. I'll just say I believe that the Washington Capitals are more dependent and Alex Ovechkin has a bigger impact on the Capitals as a franchise than Panarin has on his team. Are they different? Yes. Does Panarin drive play more than Ovechkin does? Yes. They have different strengths. Ovechkin's more physical. Panarin is more of a distributor. Ovechkin scores. They're just they're they're different. But I think impact on a team, Ovechkin's impact is greater in more ways than one. Oh, just look at what the Rangers were before Panarin and what the Rangers were after Panarin. Impact on a team, I'm still gonna go Panarin. The one thing I think I we know. Can before agree- Panarin they were bad and after Panarin they're bad. Well, look, I think the one thing we can agree on, they both love puppies. What? They they both love like their little puppies and dogs. I see them in dog calendars all the time. Oh, I didn't know about this. 
I'm, I'm teaching you things, Mitch. I'm yeah. teaching you things. I All like right. learning. Look, uh, comment by, below and let us know or if you think that we're both wrong and it's not Ovechkin or it's not Panarin, who do you think is the best winger? Comment, uh, like, subscribe. It's the Post Game Pines podcast. That's our classic sports argument. Panarin versus Ovechkin. Who's the best winger in the game? Uh, Mitch, just before we get to the pop quiz to finalize episode two here, I just want to know uh, any outliers here, anybody that should get honorable mention when it comes to this winger conversation. I went Panarin. You went Ovechkin. I definitely think there's another guy that should be mentioned right now. There's two others. Yeah. And one you, say similar, one, you, say, you say one, I'll say the other. There's two others, and one similar to Panarin and one similar to Ovechkin. Okay, you name one, I'll name the other one. All right, the one similar to Ovechkin is Pasternak. He will be the best goal scorer in the league at some point when Ovechkin's said and done. And the other one is uh, Patrick Kane. That's not the guy I was going to go with. Oh, Patrick Kane's still in the best winger conversation. Let's not, let's not kid ourselves. Oh, he's, uh, he's in his 30s. He's, Patrick Kane is not past his prime. And, and by the way, I thought you were going to say Pasternak because he's young, like uh, Panarin, and you were going to say Kane because he's old, like Ovechkin. So who are you thinking? Who's the, who's the fifth one that you don't have in this conversation? Well, there's this guy named Kucherov who won last year's MVP. Oh, yeah, the guy. It's funny that we just don't have him there. And maybe people are just yelling Kucherov at us. But, uh, yeah, I'm sorry. well, if you Kucherov, Kucherov, you talk about facilitating offense. Kucherov uh, set a record last season with 87 assists. And he led the, uh, the playoffs in scoring. Yes. So he's pretty but, good, too. But I'll take Panarin. And I'll take Ovechkin. I know. I was waiting for you to say that. All right. So we're going to do this. Uh, I think on episode one, we did two pop quizzes. I think we're just going to do one pop quiz at the end of the show. Just so you could just yell at your YouTube. You could yell at your SoundCloud. You could yell at your iTunes, your Google Play, however you're listening or viewing us here on the post-game podcast, uh, post-game pints podcast. Almost did it again. All right. Nailed so, it. <laughs> nailed it. It's okay. Cheers to LeBron. Uh, let's uh, uh, let, tell me, what's your, pop, what's your uh, pop quiz for me? You ready for this? Yeah. All right. I want uh, top five most Ooh, points five. by a player born 1990 or later. All time? Like yes. career, career points or in a season? Career points, career points, all time. Born in 1990 or, or later. Yeah. So that would put 28-year-olds in the category? 28-year-olds would be in the category. Right? It would be, so 1990. So, yeah, 30, so 30 and younger. So, you're, so I asked you for the top scores of 30, and you, you're going for under 30. Yes. In their career. Yes. In their career. All right, so is it at the – they were 30 at the start uh, or 30 at uh, – 29 at the start of last season? 1990 birthdays, Campbell, and, and after. Okay, so they were so born – Jan 1, 1990, until now. Okay. Uh, is Tavares on there? Tavares is number two. Okay, so and, – and it's funny because episode one came, came in effect there because of where he was. Um, so Tavares, I'm, and I'm, then Taylor Hall might be in there. Taylor Hall doesn't uh, get enough points to make this list. No, and then just not enough. So 1990 birthdays, uh, <laughs> 30-year-olds, uh, they're 30. Uh, who are my 29? Are, are they mostly 29, 30, or are there some, like, 26-year-olds? Like, so, uh, Ber 
Birth years. Like, let's, we just we just we just mentioned Kucherov. Is Kucherov on this list? No, he is not. Okay. And uh, here's uh, some clues for you. Uh, one of them's a defenseman. Okay. One of them you probably won't think of. Eric Carlson. Eric Carlson is the defenseman. Yeah. Born okay. in 1990. Yeah. Okay. See, love Eric Carlson. You you said defenseman. I'm like, okay. There's only one defenseman that's going to accumulate that many points to be up there with Forbes. Gotcha. Okay. Remaining birth years, 1990, 1992, 1991. Okay, so we got a 28-year-old and a 29-year-old in the group, and another 30-year-old. Oh, man, I don't know everybody's age, though. And it's 30 such a, like, at the cusp. So the 1990, and now I have to think of the draft. It would have been the, what draft is that? Well, so been, you mentioned a player who went uh, number one. 2008, one 2008 draft, 2009 draft, 2010 draft. That's what yeah. we're looking at. Uh, so Marchand's too old. Uh, Bergeron's too old. Uh, I gave you Tavares. There's a couple guys who are too young. I got you got to really target that like age group, well, though. Here, you want me to help you a little bit? More clues. Go. One was a number one pick, one was a number two pick, and one was a number three pick. All in different drafts. So a one, a two, and a three in 2008, 9, and 10. Now you're testing my draft knowledge. Thanks. Kind Thanks. of. Yeah. Ah, now which draft was which? Well, start with the, start with the number one overall pick because you know them all. Of course I know them all. Just my brain hasn't been working. And thanks to LeBron's. <laughs> So 2011 and 2010. Uh, oh, Stamkos. Stamkos is the number one pick. Yeah, Stamkos. And he's the number one answer. Yeah, so it's Stamkos, Tavares. Which one was Carlson? Five or four? Uh, four. He was four. Um, so you're missing the number two overall pick that's here and number three overall pick that's here. The number three overall pick nobody thinks of. Nobody thinks of this guy, eh? No one thinks of him, and all he does is get points. He just accumulates points all the time. He's also moved around. Uh, I, was, I, I almost said a guy that didn't move around yet. I was like, how old is Huberto now? Because, no, he's, he's too young still. He's a little bit too young, yeah. He's 26, 27, Huberto? Uh, something like that. So go through, uh, go through the number two picks in your mind. Number two picks in 08, Play forward. Um, Ryan Nugent Hopkins? Nope, he's number one pick. Oh, yeah, that's right. Number two. Funny thing Lo is, you already brought up the number one pick in this guy's draft. Who was number two? Oh, Tyler Sagay. Tyler Sagay, born 1992. Number three answer on the board. The only one you're missing is the one that everyone forgets about. And How he was part. And we could test your draft knowledge again. He was part of the John Tavares draft. So that was the 08 draft. And he was third overall. Tavares, Hedman, and, 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 oh, who was three? Come on. It was in Montreal, wasn't it? No, 2009 was in Montreal. Oh, yeah? Okay. I thought Tavares was here. No, 2009 was Montreal. I'm pretty sure 2009 was Montreal. I was there. Yeah, the really Tavares draft was here. Uh, no, no, definitely I'm going to say the Tavares draft was here in Montreal. 2008? So you saw this guy go up. 
at number three. You saw and him been, and, and he's been moved around? Yes. Do you need his teams? What's wrong with me? What's wrong with me? Why can't I think of this? Oh. All right, so I have four out of five. You got to help me here. All right, so the number three pick in that draft was picked by the Colorado Avalanche. He was then dealt to the Ottawa Senators, and he now plays for the Nashville Predators. The guy we're looking for, born in 1991, Matt Duchesne. Duchesne. You're right. Everybody forgets about him. Matt Duchesne, I'm sorry I forgot about you. I did, just like everybody else that was trying to figure that out. I forgot about you, Matt Duchesne. He was almost a Montreal Canadian. I that forgot. Matt Duchesne. All right, uh, that's it. And thanks again uh, to uh, LaBrosse Brewery and LaBrosse.com. I encourage you to check out all their beers. It's whatever you need. If you like the IPA, if you like a red, if you like uh, a stout, if you like a blonde, just go check it out. Check their menu out, LaBrosse.com. You can pick up anything you want. Their hours are there. They're open for business to pick up. Cans are ready to go. I went into their tap room. They are waiting for you to take their beer. So uh, check it out at LaBrosse.com. All right, Mitch, it's time to name that podcast. What do you got? Um, I'm going to go with Matt Duchesne. I also had uh, Panarin's better than Ovechkin. <laughs> or how about, Sean, we name it this week, Blanche de West. Wicked Nor'easter. <laughs> how about cheers to LeBras? There you go. Want me to stop it? <laughs>